You're listening to Soul School with Laura Coe and Kevin Kaiser. On this show, we dive into life's biggest questions. Who are we? What are we here to do? And how can we fearlessly live as our truest, deepest selves? Soul School is the spiritual education you never received. So if you're ready, join us as we explore together. Soul School is in session. Welcome back, everybody, and welcome to my wonderful co-host, Laura. Laura, it's good to see you. Hello, hello. How are you today, Kevin? Doing great. I love just being able to to do things like this and see you and talk about this cool, cool shit. At least it's cool for us. So in this short episode, we're going to drop in a little bit. You were sharing with me a a realization that you had that was kind of an expansion on the red light, yellow light, green light, intuition, I guess, model, if you want to call it that, that you teach other people. So what's the lowdown? Like unpack what this <laughs> new realization was. Yeah, I was, um, I, you know, I, I've been coaching for a decade on authenticity, how to connect into our authentic selves, what that means, what gets in the way, how our thought patterns you know, keep us from our authentic self, blah, blah, blah. And, and I love it, right? I love it. And I was chatting with a client and I just had this realization, like it hit me literally in real time, right? This idea that what does it mean to interact with the world, right? We think about authenticity and we say, okay, authentically, I want to do this with my life, right? If you want to ask the big questions, like, what am I doing with my career? You know, what should I do? Who am I? What is my purpose? But this smaller thing of the red, yellow, green system that I already did a podcast on, but what is true for me in the moment, right, is where I start. But I started thinking like, wait, what's true for me in the moment, right? Example, do I want to talk to Kevin and do a podcast? Red, yellow, green. Yes, green. This feels good to me. It's always green, by the way, folks. (laughs) But if you back it up and you say, okay, wait a minute. I'm sitting here with Kevin right now, and I do have this glass of water in front of me. And as we're chatting, the thought arises, and that's so important. The thought arises that I'm thirsty as I'm talking right? There's this awareness of this thought, thirsty. Why? Well, I'm aware of my mouth being dry or my throat feeling a certain way, or right? The experience of thirst begins to arise and I become aware of that, right? And so you and I are chatting and chatting and the thought arises and the feelings in my body arise and I have the awareness And I don't know how many times, right? One time, sometimes, sometimes five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times before I, in fact, reach over, I grab my glass of water. And then I thought, well, wait, what just happened? Did I reach over and grab the glass of water with intention? Or the thought arises, and then at some point, my hand goes to grab the water. Now, just that alone the pressure with which I hold this glass, for those who aren't watching the video, I'm holding a glass of water, the, the, the speed with which I bring it to my face, right? 
And then as I begin to drink the water, which I won't do because it stops me from talking, but if I were to put it to my face and allow the water to go into my mouth, the velocity with which it goes in, the rate with which my swallowing starts to happen, all of this is unconscious. So this question of like, what is true for me? What am I doing, right? Like what, what is it that's happening in every moment where I'm actually making choice, where I'm, where I'm deciding what's deciding, how am I deciding? Yeah. And then what exactly am I really doing? Because the thought of, came up, it, it, it rose. The, the feelings in my body came up. I didn't pick those. I didn't, I did say, okay, yes or no to grabbing the glass. Feels like the only thing in there that I chose, but I'm going to get back to that in a second. And then I grab the water, hold it with a certain tension so it doesn't fall, put it to my mouth, and then the water starts moving in and it, I have nothing to do. I don't know how to swallow, actually. I don't really know how to place the water everywhere it needs to go in my body, right? And so none of that is really a decision or a choice right? And so then I started thinking, okay, wait, 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 wait. Because <laughs> this, this thought, thirsty, thirsty. I didn't choose that, right? The thought is arising. So at some point I say yes, but let's just be honest. I could just keep saying no. And it, I could say no until I dehydrate. And I could say no until I am not living, right? I mean, I could just de deny my body. In this case, right, you can easily see how quickly that leads to the experience of suffering, like suffering, right? If you just, just will, like people go on starvation kicks for various reasons, right? For sports, for, for work, for medical issues, or perhaps for political statement, right? It's, it's like admirable to think somebody starves because it, it's, torturesome, right? To say no to what is arising over and over and over. And so at some point you, you suffer and suffer and suffer, and then perhaps you do die, right? And I thought, oh my God, right? Isn't this really a metaphor for life? Right? Can't you actually start thinking about what is arising? What is arising in, in front of me, around me, within me, and how do I respond to it? Yes, no, yes, no. And then if I pick yes when it's a no, right, I don't drink the water. And so in the broader sense, spiritually, when I say no to what is true in a soul level, what is true in my heart, what is true in my gut, I say no, no, no. We start suffering. We start suffering. Life gets harder. It gets heavier. Like things don't feel easy. They don't feel good, right? And so I'm not saying that when you say yes to the things that are quote unquote meant to be or aligned in truth for you, that it's not, um, doesn't require work, right? It can't be a, a lot to do, right? So grabbing the water, holding it, swallowing it, right? There's a lot of things happening actually, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> like everything in it life has a certain really amount. Fast. Yeah, it's a lot. So it's it's just the suffering really got clear to me, the suffering, right? Because pain is inevitable. Pleasure, right? It, it doesn't stay. But suffering is avoidable. 
Suffering is avoidable. And that idea is so rich for me and something I come back to constantly is I I can't have a pain-free life and I can't have a pleasure-seeking life, but I can avoid suffering. And so the story about the water really hit me like, A, wow, there's so little that I'm choosing and there's so little that I'm doing. I'm just doing these microscopic yeses and nos. And when I'm microscopically picking no when it should be yes or yes when it should be no, I begin to suffer. And isn't that just true in my life, right? And how do you think about this this little bit with the water in, in terms of your life? And then the last thing I'll say is that these thoughts that are arising and the feelings that are arising, who is the I right? Like I'm not making my thoughts happen. So I'm not my thoughts. I'm not making the thirst happen. So I'm not my thirst. So where the hell am I? So this, this awareness self is the one that's saying yes and no, yes and no, and yes and no. Right. And that's all that's happening all the time. So I don't know. It just dawned on me if I really don't want to suffer and I want my life to have a certain sense of ease, you know, to just pay more attention to the subtlety of what's arising around me and then the simplicity of this little yes or no. And if it's starting to feel like I'm suffering, think about whether I should grab the glass of water. Right. I love that. And so all of this comes at a really interesting time because I, as I told you before we started recording, I was watching this Nova episode the other night and I'll link to it in the, in the show description it's called your brain who is in control and and the show is mostly about what you just talked about they do all of these studies neuroscientists are doing these studies you know hooking eeg sensors up to people's heads and like timing the different it's a really short amount of time but you know so pick up you know pick up the glass of water but there is this signal in the brain that is a certain number of milliseconds that happens before they even register the thought of picking it up. And so there's like this, it is so confounding to them, right? It's so fascinating because there's the, there's the what's happening. And then there's this, the consciousness that is seeing it happen, like what you're talking about. And this is actually the very thing that confounds the scientific community right now, because they believe that that awareness, that consciousness actually arises from the matter actually arises from the brain itself. But they're like, how does this work? You know, there's something beyond that, that is perceiving it, that is witnessing it, which is everything that, you know, that sages and mystics have been talking about for thousands and thousands of years And it becomes really important when you start getting into this conversation around, well, there's personal conditioning, there's, there's cultural conditioning. Like I didn't choose English as my first language, but yet the world thoughts are just language and language is learned and it divides up the world based on stuff that came before. So it's all based on history. So the mind is this pattern recognition and pattern repetition machine that is always trying to create a predictable world, which actually doesn't exist, but it's the soul. So it's all about preserving and perpetuating the known, right? And, but the soul 
is the domain of the unknown, which is where mm-hmm. we really want to be, which is the release, letting go of the known and like stepping into that, you know, what is the unknown? What is the new? And when we suffer is when that's our, our soul from my perspective, like it's us bumping up against the guardrails going, no, it's not this. No, it's not that. Like it's this, you know, down the middle. That's and, right. And you find but, that ease. You find that, that, that tranquility because yeah. it's like when you stop trying to assert the mind to control your life and to pick the patterns and the recognitions and to find the safe path that it thinks it sees. And you release into the fact that there's so little that you're kind of really picking. So much is arising in every moment that you do then have the ability to have your free will and say yes or no. But how much free will is there exactly? Because I start to suffer when I don't, right? Yeah. And letting that just be life, right? Exactly. And there's so much that's preconditioned. We don't like to think of it that way, but I grew up in Indiana. You know, I have ketchup and mustard with my hot dogs and not kimchi. But, you know, so if kimchi and ketchup were placed on a table with hot dogs, I would pick up the ketchup. I have free will, but I'm so conditioned. I didn't grow up with kimchi. Although kimchi is amazing, you know, so my set of choices, set of preferences is just kind of hard coded in me, which is why so much of like this spiritual journey, the soul's journey is the one of uh, unlearning or going beyond the mind because the mind can never know reality. It will eventually run out. It becomes, it's just chasing its tail because it's always looking for to confirm the stories that it's already been told about reality. So yeah. um, this is where the felt sense of, like you said, it's intuitive and and that's the way. Yeah. And it's reminding me of a, a Netflix that the, the Dalai Lama was just recently in and he set up a scientific experiment with a university that I forgot which one, but they had people, you know, who don't meditate and then his, you know, monks there. And they put them up to an MRI and they said, listen, here's what's going to happen. We're going to put a band around your arm and this band is going to have very hot water. And when you hear this bell, bing, you're going to feel hot water. And they showed them and it was like painful. It's not going to burn you, but it's painful. And then they said, we're going to show you another bell and then you'll know that um, you'll receive a cooler water or something like that. I don't know. So they showed both sets of participants. They put them in the MRI machine. The normal people, you you know, the non-meditators, they started to anticipate the hot water, right? I think before the the noise, or at least the moment that the no, no, it was before the noise. And then the, the the bell rings, and they start to anticipate it. And there's no hot water yet, and their brains are firing as if they're already in pain. Then the hot water hits pain reaction, just like you'd expect. But then after the hot water's gone, they're still firing like crazy in their brains because they're anticipating when the pain's coming back again. The the meditators, nothing happened. The bell rang, nothing happened. When the hot water hit their arm, they had a normal reaction to the pain. They felt it and their brains were aligned to the actual moment of pain. And then the moment that the water was gone, 
their brains went back to a normal state. So, right, it's like, yeah, if you think about that, right, in this conversation, it's like, if you just allow life to happen, which meditation helps a ton with, and you just like experience everything, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, you're not pre-planning the pain that's coming that you're trying to avoid, or after it's happening, panicked that it's going to happen again and not living in the state that maybe it's not happening, then you can actually start to just experience what happens as it happens for what it really is, you know? Yeah. And so A, like a little plug for meditation in there, but <laughs> but B, like I just, I just can't, I can't get over the simplicity of the experience of being alive if we understand, right, to just allow things to arise, be in the moment of it continue forward, right? And that's free will meeting the realities of, of our day to day. And there it is. We just we just solved the riddle. <laughs> it really is that simple. I and uh, yeah. Hard to live. Hard to live. Well, there you have it, friends. Thank you for sharing that. I, this has been a wonderful conversation and and uh, I'm I'll drop some links into the into the show the show notes. I'm going to find that Netflix show. So for anyone who wants to watch it, they can go check it out. So I guess, uh, I guess friends, we'll see you next time. Laura, as always, thank you for sharing your heart and uh, what's happening in life. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. And I really hope that you consider checking out the Little Soul School, littlesoul.school, where there's a community of people dedicated to soul growth, soul learning, and the Akashic energy, a space that holds all of our soul's histories, everything we've ever done in all of our lifetimes, because they're looking for a deeper connection to themselves, a place to experiment and play with spirituality in a non-judgmental, vulnerable, open community of people. No woo-woo, no fluff, just fun and connection. Come check it out, littlesoul.school.